Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 13th of March, year of our Lord, 2020. No intro. Yeah. Because i got to prep the intro. Technically. Kind of. So today we're going to cover, of course, Biden's speech. Do some media bullshit. New section, media jerk off. Because they were jerking off this week. It's crude, but I'm trying to be funny, so work with me. But I wanted to hit a section that... I have forgotten to do three shows in a row. And uh, it comes from to you from Tom Elliott. And it was just this simple story. And I think it's a good primer for the show because I, you know, we've talked about it forever, you know, on, on the podcast that the left just loves being outraged, okay? They hate you. The media is biased. And Republicans are pussies that do nothing to defend us. Those are kind of constants that we've talked about for five, six years, as long as we've been doing this show. And I thank anybody who's stuck with it for that long. You know, I know it's not the greatest seeing this ugly mug sit and talk every day um, or listening to me. But this outrage just just shows you that um, one of the other overall things narratives that I have done is the internet is horrible. It is the Dave Chappelle. If it was a place, you wouldn't go there. And this is perfectly framed as that. So, first ever space hotel slated to be operational in 2027. Excuse me, reading across. I don't have a note for this because I deleted it. I totally forgot about it. So, as you go through this, this is what the left did with us. We literally just want health care. We literally just want basic human rights, livable wages, and universal health care. Livable wages. We just want free health care. We just want to end world hunger and free health care. Is that too much to fucking ask for? Americans, we literally just want health care. Billionaires, best I can do is a space hotel. Just some health care. That's all we want. Space will always be there. We just want our fucking health care. We just want fucking health care and a livable wage. We just want health care. Health care. Health care. Health care. Health care. And this goes on and on and on and on. And I could have thousands. Thousands. For health care. I, 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 I just don't even know what to say. What the fuck? Do you think we're really going to have a space hotel? No! It's just an article. It's just something to put out there. 
But you lefties, you got to ruin Christmas, so why not ruin that? We won't have a space hotel. And why do you deserve free health care? I worked 20 years in the Army to get free health care. You took it away from me, so I don't get free health care. I got to pay for it now. But when I joined the Army in 1985, that was free health care. Guys before me. Free healthcare for life. You serve 20 years, go to war, get all fucked up physically. We're going to give you free healthcare. Nothing's free. Every time I get CPAP supplies, it's a new copay. Because left's trying to fuck a demographic that won't fuck, fucking vote for them. Healthcare is not a right. You earn it. Even back in the old days when they were bloodletting, you didn't get free bloodletting. So, let's move it along. Uh, Tucker is the only person on TV that literally, like, is saying anything. And the left really hates him. We're talking fucking hates him. So they did a live box during the speech that we'll cover in a bit. And, oh my God, Mediaite, Dan Abrams' site just couldn't have that. That was just too much. Oberman demands Twitter ban Carlson and Sean Davis because they went after Taylor Lorenz. Senior defense official respond to Tucker Carlson's comments. And we played it on the show. But let's play this. This is our longest soundbite of the day. Tucker. Newspapers generally try to keep themselves out of the news. They don't weigh in to defend their own reporters, for example, unless something very serious has happened. You see when a correspondent is being detained by soldiers at the Tibetan border, for instance, or when someone's been kidnapped by ISIS in Syria. But you generally don't see it in response to criticism from a cable news show. But today, the New York Times made an exception to that rule and jumped ferociously to the defense of its social media reporter, Taylor Lorenz. Now, we told you about Taylor Lorenz last night in a segment about how the most privileged in our society now consider themselves oppressed. And Taylor Lorenz is certainly a shining example of that principle. A New York Times reporter from Greenwich telling you what a victim she is. Earlier this week, Lorenz sent a tweet asking America to celebrate International Women's Day by supporting her specifically as she faces what she describes as a year-long campaign of harassment. That harassment, Lorenz wrote, has, quote, destroyed my life. Now, normally we'd be deeply sympathetic to this. Harassment is awful. Harassment is a crime, and it should be a crime. If a mob of screaming lunatics showed up at Taylor Lorenz's house and threatened her, we would condemn that mob immediately, no matter what political position they claim to represent. But that's not even close to what Taylor Lorenz is talking about. According to Taylor Lorenz, saying mean things about her on Twitter is, quote, harassment. Disagreeing with her on the Internet at all is, quote, harassment. Failing to affirm her as she self-actualizes and attempts to realize her hopes and dreams in this world is, quote, harassment, and so on. There's a lot of real harassment out there. This is not it. So you can see why we included Lorenz in a script about the most privileged in our society pretending to be the most oppressed in our society. We were embarrassed for Taylor Lorenz. She spends her entire life on the Internet, so of course, after a while, you become a deeply unhappy narcissist. That's what the Internet does to people. 
and we assumed her bosses would be embarrassed for her too. Little did we know that they are all exactly just like she is. Well, of course they are, and that's the problem. The people who run the New York Times believe that anyone who disagrees with them is committing assault. Here is their official statement on our segment. In a now familiar move, Tucker Carlson opened his show last night by attacking a journalist. Oh, a journalist! The one protected group left in America. Journalists make their living trying to destroy your life, but if you say a single word about it, you're a criminal, a moral monster. You must be stopped. The statement goes on, and keep in mind, as we read this, we're not making any of it up. Criticizing Taylor Lorenz was, quote, a calculated and cruel tactic which Carlson regularly deploys to unleash a wave of harassment and vitriol at his intended target. It's all pretty amusing when you think about it. Reading a tweet on television, that's fine when it was written by, say, Donald Trump. It's called reporting. But when that tweet was written by a New York Times reporter, reading it out loud is a, quote, calculated and cruel tactic. But calculated to do what exactly? Presumably calculated to get more people to disagree with Taylor Lorenz, which was they've already established is harassment. It's a pretty good little scam the New York Times has going. They get to hurt you at will, but you're not allowed to notice. Notice what they're doing and you are calculated and cruel. We know this because we experienced it this summer. The Times tried to send a reporter to my house just to make absolutely certain that everyone knows where my kids live. I called the paper and told them to back off. There's no news value in where my house is. It's not even a big house. The whole thing was bizarre and creepy as hell, but they ignored the request. The paper only stopped the story when we shamed them on this show. To be clear, we would never even consider running a series on where New York Times editors live. Obviously, that's disgusting. What country is this? But they tried to do it. The best part, though, is what happened after. The Washington Post jumped in, naturally, with a piece claiming that this show had incited dangerous harassment by asking the New York Times not to write a story about where my house is. We are, quote, endangering reporters, the very same reporters who are trying to write a piece about my house. It was also passive aggressive and crazy that we were happy when the whole thing ended. But then just today, the official New York Times Twitter account sent out that same Washington Post story. The New York Times described it as a, quote, anatomy of an attack by Carlson that had real world consequences. It was pure insanity. But that's still not the most amazing part of the Taylor Lorenz story. The greatest irony of all is what Taylor Lorenz herself does for a living. According to the New York Times statement today, quote, Taylor Lorenz is a talented New York Times journalist doing timely and essential reporting. Timely and essential. Okay. Thanks for the adjectives. But what kind of reporting is it exactly? What does Taylor Lorenz do all day? Ah, we could answer that question at some length. But instead, we decided to back off a little bit and invite Sean Davis. Most important, a weak military means no country, period. So on Monday, when we saw Joe Biden pledge to bring a, quote, intensity of purpose and mission to really change the culture and habits of the U.S. military, we paid attention to it. Here's what Biden said. Some of it's relatively uh, straightforward work. 
where we're making good progress designing body armor that fits women properly, tailoring combat uniforms for women, creating maternity flight suits, updating, uh, updating requirements for their hairstyles. Creating maternity flight suits. Maybe those suits have been around for a while. We'd never heard of them. But here was the president of the United States promoting them at a press conference. And that phrase stuck out, not because we have some hateful bias against pregnant women flying military jets. We're pro-pregnancy, as we often say. We're also open-minded. Maybe pregnant women make the best pilots. The Department of Defense measures everything, so there's got to be extensive research on this question. If the Pentagon can show that pregnant pilots are the best, we will be the first to demand an entire air force of pregnant pilots. The problem is we're pretty confident that Joe Biden hasn't asked to see those numbers. We'd bet money that Joe Biden never even thought to ask. The rest of us depend on the U.S. military to protect our families and protect the country itself. But Joe Biden doesn't see it that way. Finding the most effective military pilots or infantry officers or SEAL teams is not his priority. It's not even close to his priority. Identity politics is Joe Biden's priority. It's all that matters. You see this attitude throughout the U.S. government as well as in the corporate world. Key positions filled on the basis of physical appearance without any reference to ability or experience. Now, you can get by with that if you're Citibank, which now cares more about wokeness than about banking. They can explain the results to their shareholders 10 years from now. But it is not fine if your only job is to protect the United States from people who want to kill the rest of us. That is the worst kind of dereliction of duty. Yet it's happening right now on an enormous scale. Just this week, the Biden administration announced that the Pentagon will pay for gender reassignment surgery for active duty personnel. How do sex changes in the military make this country safer? That's not a trick question. It's not another volley in the culture war. It's the only question that matters, literally the only question that matters. But no one bothered to ask it, probably because no one can remember why the U.S. military exists. Here's a reminder. The U.S. military exists to fight and win wars. That's its only purpose. The U.S. military is not an NGO. It is not a vehicle for achieving equity. It's not a social experiment. It's definitely not an employment agency. Nobody has a God-given right to work in the military. No one does, and that includes all of us. If you ever hear this show whine that Delta Force is discriminating against paunchy 51-year-old cable news hosts, you'll know that we have lost the thread because it's not about us. It's about the country. Making people feel valued and included is a good thing. It is not the point of the U.S. military. It cannot be the point of the U.S. military, or else we're done. Now, that used to be obvious. The military was the purest meritocracy that we had. If you get a minute, go back and listen to some of the speeches that Colin Powell used to give about his experience in the U.S. Army. The military was willing to judge Colin Powell purely on his talents, something that few would do at the time. Powell was smart and capable, and for that reason, in the end, he became chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was justly proud of that, and so was the country he served. Would Colin Powell's story be possible today? No, it wouldn't. Joe Biden has put a man called Lloyd Austin in charge of the Pentagon. Biden plucked Austin from the cynical world of private equity, but you're not supposed to notice that. You're supposed to notice only that Lloyd Austin is black. The real headline, however, is that Lloyd Austin is the second defense secretary in a row to have been on the payroll of Raytheon, the massive defense contractor. 
If you saw something like that happen in a Central American country, you would call it corruption, and you would be right. For centuries, our military has been self-consciously nonpartisan. In a democracy, it has to be that way. The military has to be nonpartisan. No country can survive if its armed forces become a tool of a specific political party. We know that because it happens all the time, all over the world, and the consequences are always horrifying. It has never happened here. But Lloyd Austin is openly political. In his first days on the job, Austin made the entire armed services submit to a kind of political purity test. Anyone who had views that Lloyd Austin found, quote, extreme, had to leave. The rest of us watched as this happened. We saw it. Once again, no one said anything. The left approved. The right felt hamstrung because they support the troops. Of course, if you support the troops, you probably should speak up when they're being abused, as they were. Then Lloyd Austin set about accelerating poisonous trends already in progress at the Pentagon. Worst of these is the use of irrelevant criteria in hiring and promotion. In order to meet the demands of various Democratic interest groups, the Pentagon has dramatically lowered standards in the services. Now, spokesmen officially deny this, but it is true. Ask anyone who works there. If you press the spokesman, I'll tell you that it's not really a big deal because traditional standards don't really measure anything. Well, then why have them in the first place? Why have standards at all? It doesn't make sense. They're lying. And they're lying because they have to lie. Politicians have demanded it. Now, if you dare to point any of this out, they become hysterical. And they become hysterical because they can't defend their own policies. When people can't defend what they've done, they yell. They can't even explain what those policies are, at least in public. So they attack. You hear politicians like Tammy Duckworth say that it's unpatriotic to question the Pentagon unless you have served in the military yourself. You haven't earned that right. Really? Can only cops talk about police brutality? If you haven't been elected to office, are you allowed to criticize Congress? They're not making a real argument. They're trying to silence dissent. Not playing along. Sorry. Every American citizen has a right, maybe an obligation, to know what the military they pay for is doing, because our lives may depend on it. Today, the Department of Defense launched a large and coordinated public relations offensive against this show. Pentagon brass issued hostile statements. People in uniform sent out videos on social media. The DOD even issued a news release attacking us. Press Secretary Smites, Fox News host. Smites like we're a hostile foreign power. We suspect this is one war they might actually win. They've got a manpower advantage. We could play you a lot of tape from this today. It took up most of their day, and we could marvel over it. Since when does the Pentagon declare war on a domestic news operation? Can't remember that ever happening. But we're not going to do that. We're going to pass. Because this is bigger than a feud with some flack at the Pentagon. This is genuinely worrisome. The Department of Defense has never been more aggressively or openly political. Tonight, there are 2,500 American troops stationed in Afghanistan, and they remain there to prevent the fall of Kabul to extremists. At the same time, there are 5,000 troops in our own capital tonight, also as protection against extremists, meaning people who voted for the losing candidate in the last election. Judging by those numbers, the Pentagon is now twice as focused on controlling our own citizens as it is on controlling the Taliban. Meanwhile, as Lloyd Austin hyperventilates about white supremacy, there are real threats out there, and the biggest ones continue to be ignored. Those threats are not Syria, they're not suburban Virginia, 
They're not domestic extremism, at least right now. The main threat that we face, and everyone who is honest knows this, is the government of China. China is ascendant. Their economy will soon outpace ours. China now has the largest navy on the planet. Why do they have that? Why did they feel the need to build it? Does that have potential consequences for us? Yes. If China moved against Taiwan, how exactly would we respond? More likely, if the Chinese decide to close international shipping lanes, it would cripple our economy. If they decide to shut down our internet, it would bring our life to a halt. If they decided to occupy Malaysia, that would be a grave concern to the world. If any of these things happened, or a hundred other things that might happen, what exactly would our Pentagon do about it? Can the U.S. military still win a real war? Those are the questions that matter. Those are the only questions that matter. You know, about everything he said is spot on. We've been covering on the show forever. It was what was happening in the military, because this is a dual subject. In the military, when I was in the military, and I retired in 2005, PC, wokeness. And this Taylor Lorenz shit, we'll get to it in a second, but they're all victims. My daughter is one of these Taylor Lorenz people. They, they see the latest thing, and then they become the latest thing. She's had covid which she didn't have COVID, but she said she did. She was gay, even though she was never gay. She kissed a girl like Katy Perry said, like every girl in her age bracket did when Katy Perry said kissed a girl. Her kids had this. Her son has had, her youngest son has had every allergy known to man, but he would come to her house and eat everything she said he couldn't eat and he would never get sick. Um, she, They were all allergic to something. And then they come to the house and there'd be nothing wrong with them. And now they have the the animals or whatever they were supposed to be allergic to. She's been abused. She's been beaten. Uh, She has no parents, even though she disowned us. They're all like this. It's the age bracket. So this is Taylor Wren's little twat. Her whole job is to stalk little kids of important people and put out what they're saying as they dunk on their parents. That's her role at the New York Times. But she's a victim. But the DOD responding to a TV show, when you're the military, that is some weak-ass shit. Nikki McCain Ramirez, Tucker Carlson accused Joe Biden of trying to feminize the military, argues China is ramping its military masculinity. U.S. Space Command senior enlisted leader, Drama TV, my response to Mr. Tucker Carlson's comments about women in the armed forces. Let's listen. Drama TV. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what I call it. I'll apologize up front and tell you that I don't have cable news at home. I don't have it here in the office, and I don't watch a lot of drama TV. I understand some comments were made. Now go shut your fucking ass. You're in, you're in Space Force. They made a comedy about you. Patrick Donahue, this is me yesterday, conducted a re-enlistment for one of the tens of thousands of women who serve in our military. Just a reminder that Tucker Carlson couldn't be more wrong. I agree, Pat, General Paul, Paul E. Funk. Thousands of women serve honorably. SMA Michael Grinson. Women lead our lethal units with character. Lethal? Really? One of them's passed ranger school. None have passed SEAL training. Paul McCleary, Pentagon Secretary, won't call on Tucker Carlson to apologize for mocking U.S. servicemen, but ends press conference saying hosts demean the entire military. No, he didn't! No. 
Could there be a surer, surer sign we're fucked than the DOD writing dunk headlines about diversity? Press Secretary smites Fox host that diss diversity in the U.S. military. Josh Krakauer, actual press release headline from the Pentagon. Press Secretary smites Fox hosts. The United States military is the greatest in the world ever seen because of its diversity. Pentagon Press Secretary John F. Kirby said during a news briefing this morning, Kirby addressed this because a Fox cable host used his show to denigrate the contribution of women in the military and to say the Chinese military is catching up to the U.S. military because it does not allow women to serve in percentage the United States does. Kirby addressed the insult and the entire U.S. military straight on. I want to make it very clear right up front that the diversity of our military is one of our greatest strengths. I've seen it for myself in long months of seeing combat wages by our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan. I've seen it on Capitol Hill. People's reply, I do not believe it's an actual press release headline. Click the link, it's a DOD press release. Pathetic. Yeah, verily thy press secretary is vengeful press secretary. Oh, my God. MMFA Deputy Rapid Response Director isn't about to let Tucker Carlson get away with citing the MFing Babylon B video. This dude just cited MF motherfucking Babylon B. He got all upset. Hilarious, absurd New York Times statement slamming Tucker Carlson for attacking a journalist like Taylor Lorenz. Tucker Carlson opened his show tonight by comparing Taylor Lorenz to Meghan Markle, Michelle Obama, and Hillary Clinton, saying she has one of the best lives in the country. Our response, New York Times communication. In a now familiar move, Tucker Carlson opened a show last night by attacking a journalist. It was calculated and cruel tactic, which he regularly deploys to unleash a wave of harassment and vitriol at his intended target. Taylor Lorenz is a talented New York journalist doing Timely and essential reporting. Stalking kids on social media. Yeah, that's essential. We need that. Mason. Taylor Renz went after me on and off for weeks over my activity on Clubhouse. Screen capping my invites and rooms, insinuating to her following that I was some sort of racist nutcase. The only woman she's ever given a fucking flying fuck about is herself. Journalists defending Taylor Lorenz should be a little more concerned about the kind of thing which has happened repeatedly than they currently are, which is not concerned at all about. New York Times Taylor Lorenz, perhaps seeking to keep up the momentum from Donald McNeil firing, falsely accuses venture capitalist Mark Anderson of using a slur. P. Market just opened a, used an open slur on Clubhouse. They don't even bother to tell you why Tucker is wrong. They just assume you hate him as much as they do, and therefore he has no right to criticize anyone in their tribe. If Taylor Wren's life is ruined, why is the New York Times devoting resources to this? Taylor Wren's, my life's ruined. Tucker Carlson, no it isn't. You're a crybaby. New York Times, it is too, you bully. This is dangerous attack on Tucker Carlson. This is so good. The party man. That it designed to cause violent harassment against him and his family, which has happened. Last year, Tucker's home was mobbed by violent New York Times fans, terrorizing a wife and children. This tweet by the New York Times is a calculated attempt to cause more violence. Taylor Lorenz has made a hobby of slandering others, including younger and far less privileged women. The official stance of the New York Times seems to be that its own employees are due better treatment than the plebes they victimize. 
the New York Times should take up the idea that journalists should be able to do their jobs without facing harassment with their newsrooms and editorial department. This is so hilarious. So we'll never spell out what the difference is between harsh criticism and harassment. Because in practice, there is no intelligible difference. And conflating the two is a great strategy to insinuate themselves from scrutiny. If a calculated and cruel tactic to criticize Taylor Renz on TV, but it's totally fine for her to destroy the livelihoods of anyone she wants... In the pages of the New York Times. Per the New York Times own hilarious, absurd standards for harassment here. Is there anyone more guilty of it than she is? Then she got butt hurt because Tucker Carlson used her actual face shot. I don't have my face on here for a reason. And yet, that's your official profile from the New York Times, you dickhead. Andriana Jacob, innocent target of unfair New York Times Taylor Renz smear. You got our attention, Miss Jacob. Do tell. This isn't Taylor Renz's first problem, a lack of accuracy or ethics, necessarily. A Mexican immigrant, a woman, a self-made entrepreneur, and an innocent casualty. This Here's proof of the conflict from Publishers Weekly in case you'd like to see proof. So unethical. Lorenzo Lorenz goes online at Simon & Schuster. And this goes on to show she just went after this one lady, ruined her fucking life over nothing. Then the journalist class, for those who have gone through it, is extremely destabilizing to have major conservative media attack you by name. You get a flood of deranged threats. What Taylor Renz is dealing with is not only unacceptable, it's dangerous. Uh, Sister told you, if you're not... If we're not to criticize someone on the basis that they may receive mean tweets or threats, then we can't criticize anyone at all. I get nasty comments all the time. You want to go there? Eric Spencer, we told you cancel culture was a bad idea. We warned you. Now it's your turn. Talia Levin, it feels like the roof being ripped off your life, just people reveling in open, gleeful misogyny and our bigotry, feeling they have permission from the idols, a flood of acid and etched your bones. So it's a flood of acid that etches your bone. Are these people not pathetic or what? Then people say to her, did you accuse a vet of being a Nazi? Yeah, you did. Marcus Ven- Venator, you of all fucking people, New York staffer resigns after falsely accusing ICE agent of being a Nazi. You try to get a disabled vet canceled. How do you think the disabled vet you slandered felt? Also, how dare people call me out on actions? Can't you see I'm a victim here that I made everybody else a victim? It goes on forever. People just fucking dog the shit out of them. Just dog the shit out of them. Nothing he said was wrong. Nothing. The United States military, all they care about is wokeness and their next promotion. Sar majors are no longer Sar majors worrying about important shit. They're worrying about woke. Generals are all woke because they saw fucking that dickhead Petraeus, who we called Betraeus, get a head up by playing politics until he got caught fucking around on his wife. They don't care. We care about hairstyles, wokeness, taking NCOERs to an uh, ethnic board that's diversity now. 
When all you care about is how many people you... I mean, listen, I could tell you a story about when I was a drill sergeant and we were doing a graduation and the piece of shit racist black SAR major who hated white guys because his unit was 70% black and he outright said it out loud. He wished they were all black. He said those words. Would make you change the front of your formation because by the end when you graduate, the people that were the best are squad leaders. And the kid that can hold the guidon is a guidon bearer. But oh no, we need to have more black, more female, more Latino. The drill sergeants, we had to rotate, rotate by race. We actually changed our platoons. One time, my platoon didn't get marched by the own drill sergeants. Because we needed a female drill sergeant, who also was Latino. So we had to grab somebody that wasn't even their drill sergeant, and she marched them. Because they would play woke bingo. That was 1995. That's all they care about anymore. They don't care about whether we bring everybody home alive. The reality is you get mixed up on all this bullshit. A lot of women and black people are going to end up in fucking body bags when we go to a real war. And then you're going to say, what the fuck's wrong with the military? Why is everybody dying? And people like Tucker are going to go, I told you. When your criteria for promotion is ethnicity and whatever group you come from, when your criteria is, are you woke? Do you vote Democrat, which is coming to a theater near you? You're going to kill a lot of people. The simple premise that we push female into the infantry says you don't understand the threat we face. There's grown men that can't even hang in this shit. I drug a young black kid up a mountain because he quit. And then when we got back from the fucking shit, we're about to go to Iraq. They faked a racist attack against him. That somebody hit him with a bat to break his leg. And after the investigation, it was him and his black friend who dressed up in a hood. And then they said, this is a real story, that a white guy came in the back of the barracks and hit him. Because he didn't want to go to war again. He was a hood rat from Baltimore. Got one of those join the army or go to jail shits. He ended up over there. And he, I had to drag him all over the Shillicott Valley because he quit. But even then, I couldn't get rid of him. He was black. It'd be racist. The white kid who pushed out on the fucking rehearsal, nobody batted an eye when I said, you're not going, get the fuck off. You, come on, you're going to carry this shit. He's right. And then the whole Taylor Loren stuff. That's why I started the show with Sean Elliott. You people spend all day searching to cancel people. And then when it happens to you and somebody calls it out. Oh my God, I'm a victim. My daughter is a perfect example. The moment I hit back and just say anything, she's the victim. Case in point. Hasn't talked to me since the BLM riots. 
all because I unfollowed her on Facebook. She was supporting Antifa. I had said I don't want to follow her, but I wanted to stay friends. Facebook was already doing what Google was doing and everybody else is doing. They're going to face, they're going to feed the woke in your shit. So every day I'd see a fucking picture from my daughter who I raised supporting people murdering people and burning buildings down. So I unfriended her. I didn't say anything. Didn't have any problems. Didn't say a word. She lost her shit on Father's Day. Sent me a message that I'm a piece of shit when I explained what I did and that I didn't want to not associate with her. She's my daughter and I love her. She then went the fuck off, called me a motherfucker. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a loser. I'm not talking to you anymore. She became the victim. She hasn't talked to me since. Needless to say, I left Facebook a month later, so she wouldn't have seen me anyway because I was done with it. I was done with you. Well, you only get to be woke in your feed. All your friends that are saying what you're saying, well, we're not going to let you see that. Even though you asked for it. The only person I had priority was my wife. I never saw my wife. Let's put it that way. They, they work the feeds. It's just like Google returns. If you search something negative, you're going to get a Trump story for four years. But she did that because that's what all these kids do. They don't live in the real world anymore. That There's consequences. You can't go around telling people they're all fucking useless human beings and have them like you. It doesn't work. I mean, down to, oh, you used my face, Taylor Lorenz says. Your face is common record, you dumb bitch. It's on the New York Times. So, yeah, I'm supporting Tucker. Good for him. Good for him for calling it out. He's the only person that will call out the military as a cesspool of stupid right now. And a lot of people are going to fucking die. And calling out a woman whose sole purpose is to stalk kids. If she was a male, she'd be canceled. There's your woke. Let's go on to another good story. Because I'm not getting the serious shit. Trying to cover the ash and trash. Brian Seltzer, CNL, CNN show Reliable Sources, has lost nearly 1 million viewers since Trump left office. And then a live shot to humanize the news shows Brian Seltzer his paley white chubby legs in a pair of shorts while he's wearing a jacket. And now they're complaining that he's being bullied because people keep showing this, the picture that he literally put out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's great. He's a victim. Everybody's a fucking victim. Everybody's a fucking victim. We're all fucking victims. Lincoln Project. Let's get that trending. Majority Trader Green. We must protect the vote. Retweet of you agreed. Ex-Lincoln Project Senior Advisor Kurt Bardella said he was instructed to post private DM convo was too exhausted from fighting Trump to object. There's your sign, lefties. An organization's sole purpose is to fucking treat people like shit 
ruined their fucking lives because they supported Trump, who then were preying on and being a pedophile with gay teens, a group you supposedly you care about, but they're still able to operate after all the grifting and the lies. Okay. Here is a person from the ACLU. Rebecca McQuay tried to watch Vanita Gupta's confirmation hearing, but got too angry. Chuck Grassley survived COVID. But yeah, Taylor Lorenz, talking about the military, that's horrible. That person's supposed to be about civil rights. Mumford and son, Banjoist, kicked out of the band because he liked a book. Hmm. Fake news. Vanity Fair says Trump's probably beaten a few homeless people to death. You can say that, though. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Why? Why would we say that? And while all this is going on, and we're still talking about those, we're still jailing 70-year-olds because they stormed the Capitol, this is happening in America. This area behind me uh, is the George Floyd Memorial. This is where George Floyd was killed back in May. Take a look. Um, these barricades have been set up by, uh, by protesters and supporters of the movement. Uh, they don't allow anyone in, not even the police. It's called an autonomous zone. Uh, and... Yeah. You're going to be in a bad situation here in a second. Oh, I thought if we were on this side of the barricade. No, you're going to be in a bad situation in a second. What do you mean by bad Because you've been situation? calling out for what you are. You need to get out of here. Please go. We know what you are. You need to get in your car and go. We're just media. I don't give a f- who you are. You've been called out for who you are. You need to get in your car and It's very tense near the memorial, and a militant-style group has closed off several blocks with barricades. What's the situation at the memorial? The situation at the memorial is, um, from what I understand, is kind of volatile. Um, people that want to go and support um, doesn't feel a sense of inclusion. Um, there is more of a like militant type atmosphere over there and a sense of fear. Kim Griffin supports police reform and was outside the courthouse protesting Floyd's death, but she does not agree with what's happening at the memorial. Her nephew, 28-year-old Amez Wright, was shot and killed there over the weekend. Were police able to get in and, and help him? Or police were not allowed to get into that area. He was carried out of, outside the zone of George Floyd Square. But not allowed by who? I mean, they're the police. The, uh, the law enforcement... It was made clear law enforcement was not welcome to penetrate that zone, which is an atrocity because his life was taken. And, I mean, who knows whether or not he would have survived had things been different. They're being deployed right now. Pepper balls are being shot. We have live rounds at the ready. You see that gentleman in the back, the officer in the back? He's got a live round. Here's a bystander who's just in her car.
Holy shit, they hit that one person four times. Saudi Arabia. We've been granted a rare interview with a leading Houthi official. We must meet in an undisclosed location because his aides say of the threat of assassination. We ask him to respond to allegations they are escalating this war. Not true at all. The battle is continuing. It has not stopped. Do you trust America to take forward negotiations to bring peace here in Yemen? Trust must come about decisions. So far, we have not seen any concrete decisions being made. You've spoken about being... That's the George Floyd Memorial in Minneapolis. That's what's happening in Portland. And on the backside, that is CNN allowing a guy who's... Who the fuck is that? I uh, platformed an Iran-backed terror group that wants death to America. They gave him the TV show. But yeah, capital. We need to really worry about the capital. We need to be talking about those people because they're fucking horrible. Well, we're not going to talk about that Ted Wheeler who defunded the police now needs funding because it's all going to shit and then Antifa starts burning the building because the new administration took down all the protective stuff and the fence and then they had to put it back up so then they burned it again. Fuck the United States. Antifa tried to break into federal courthouse in Portland. Federal officials just removed the barricades protecting the building after months of Antifa attacks on the building. Now they're back again. Federal officers respond to protect the courthouse after Antifa tries to break inside. Federal officers retreat inside during the Antifa attack on Portland federal courthouse. One of the militants smashed up the glass of the building. Protective barrier has been erected. Blah, 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 blah. 
Mac. Unarmed Ashley Babbitt got shot and killed for trying to break through a door in the federal building in the United States. We don't even know why the fuck it happened. We don't know anything about it. They wouldn't even... I could show you the only people that covered it was Fox. Nobody fucking covered this at all. It's like it didn't even happen. Joffrey Ingersoll, looking forward to the breathless coverage about far-left militants mounting an insurrection. Attacking the federal courthouse in Portland is okay, it seems. At least attacking it at times doesn't lead to mass condemnation. Attacking the U.S. Congress is not okay. That was and should be condemned. The Portland attack should also be condemned, too. Ari Fleischer. Yeah, you won't. No. No. What's the Washington Post running? Uh, they're running uh, an article saying, uh, well, hey, uh, by the way, uh, uh, um, 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 uh, a family at war. One who supports Trump and the rest that don't. They both say they're living in a fantasy world. Dunking on a mother. As her kids, like my kid, call me a racist piece of shit. Yeah. And also, Cuomo. Also tonight, the allegation from a sixth woman against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has been referred to police. A female aide accused Cuomo of groping her last year at the governor's mansion, according to the Albany Times Union. Cuomo denies ever inappropriately touching any woman. To some breaking news tonight on the sexual harassment allegations against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Lawmakers have just launched an impeachment investigation, and it comes as a growing number of New York Democrats are calling on Cuomo to resign. Here's CBS's Jerika Duncan. Tonight, the allegations by a sixth woman were referred to Albany police by the governor's office itself because of a legal obligation to do so. Police say they have not opened an investigation, but say what allegedly happened may rise to the level of a crime. More than 55 of the state's Democratic lawmakers and the mayor of New York City want the governor out. Cuomo group female aid and governor's residence. That's AAP. Not Democrat Cuomo, not six female. No, just he, he groped them. Mm, okay. Cuomo sexuals, the 20 celebs who are in love with accused sex pest granny killer Governor Cuomo. And they break it all down, showing all these celebrities who just thought he was the greatest fucking thing ever. And now crickets. Call this props and tools. Cuomo accuser Lindsey Boylan torches Brooklyn dad after he exposed as a paid Twitter troll. ReallyAmerican.com. Brooklyn dad and Really American have fought tooth and nail to help defeat Trump and then help win Georgia. We apologize for nothing. Those who are angry can stay angry. We're not going anywhere. Deal with it. We're proud to be Democrats. And yes, our staff is paid to do their work. Scott Coleman. You're, you pay, put a paid puppet on Twitter and told them what to say. That's not fighting tooth and nail. That's not acting. Babylon B. We'll post garbage party line takes for the organization of your choice for $15,000 less than he did. Biden boosting influencer Brooklyn Dan slam for taking pack money. Majid Padalon, who runs a nearly 900,000 follower strong Twitter account and has been slamming, slammed previously for urging Bernie Sanders to drop out of the 2020 presidential rates, allegedly accepted more than $57,000 
from a pro-Biden pack, really American, last year, according to the Refinery29.com, which cited tweets circulating Tuesday. In his Twitter bio, Padlin says he's a senior advisor to the pack, but followers slammed him for failing to admit he allegedly got paid to boost pro-Biden opinions and theories, according to the outlet. Brooklyn dad being paid, damn, op, is pretty uninspiring. It absolutely does pay to have, promote, shitty political opinions in America. Bridget Gabriel. So Brooklyn dad has been getting paid 60000 a year to tweet Democrat propaganda. I guess I've been doing it all wrong. To think, I've been tweeting because I love my country and I hate to see it falling apart, while left-wing trolls are getting paid thousands to spread hate. Lindsay Boyland. We women have received tremendous hate since M.M. Padlin negated our harassment claims against the governor. He called us props and tools. Our party, the Democrats, and the Dem Coalition and affiliates must stop paying for hatred spewed at women who come forward. I'm tired of getting shit like this. Honestly, my own party uses women as it pretends to defend us. Do better. Stop paying for jerks to hate us. We will follow the money and respond. He stepped in front of me and kissed me on the lips. I was in shock, but I kept walking. No love for the gov. That's a newspaper article. Now, for those that that's an inside baseball, Brooklyn Dad has responded to me. He goes all over the place. I thought he was a normal person. I just thought he was a normal person and he was a libtard. And come to find out, he's exactly what we talked about in 2016. See, the problem with the right, and that's why, you know, as I argued with people who were anti-Trump, that was the only thing, one of the only things that were good about Trump. He knew how to use the fucking internet. And he fought on the internet. Because most of our news, most of our culture, most of everything is being decided on Twitter by a bunch of shitheads in the basement eating fucking Cheetos looking like Brian Seltzer in shorts. For the record, I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> it's 70 degrees outside. But the point being, I am in my basement. I'm drinking a monster. I don't have Cheetos. But the point being is... That's where everything's decided, and we don't even fight in that sphere. So in 2016, when the election was going on, the media snarkily, even though Trump ended up wiping the floor with her and winning and doing everything on the internet because the media wouldn't support him on air like they were doing Hillary, but they had roomed little farms of fuckheads who would chase you down. If you go to the early catalog, I remember saying something when I just became pro-life. I was always pro-choice minus you can't have federal funding and you can't uh, have third trimester live birth abortions. That's where I lived my whole life, even though my mother, my wife, everybody looked at it differently. They said no abortion, period. But I wasn't that way. But then I researched, did a, a segment for the show, and I learned what Planned Parenthood was, which is a corporation to kill babies, and that they lied about everything, including morning-after pills that we were paying for, and yada, 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 yada. And I said something. And it still is my core belief that you shouldn't ban abortion, because they're going to do it anyway. They don't follow immigration law. They don't follow any law they don't agree with. I mean, the left is just does what the fuck they want, and doesn't write law, they just make dictums, and we live by that. We're doing it right now. The whole border crisis that we'll do today, that, 
That's just Biden saying, fuck the law. That's what he's doing. So they're going to abort babies. There's no way to stop them from aborting babies. They're just going to do it. But we need to do restrictions, and we need to have a case go to the Supreme Court that defines when is an abortion, what is an abortion. Because that's all we're arguing about. Yes, there's people on the right that want to ban abortion, but the majority of Americans just want some guidelines. Roe v. Wade just said you can't ban abortion. But is abortion live birth? I don't think anybody believes that except for the far, far left, 18% of the country. Anyway, to the point, they chased me all over the Internet. This group of trolls chased me. I got 100 comments from people probably sitting in a little fucking computer farm pushing the narrative. And then we find out Brooklyn Dad, he's another one. He's just a paid shit talker. A troll. And the left does this all the time during elections. And the funny thing is, it's because they believe, as we'll see today in the end, that Google is conservative. When I have this gem of an article from 2015, how Google could flip the election so conservatives could win. That was actually an article, even though we just lived it in 2020. That's how fucking bat crazy these people are. They believe the media, big tech, is conservative. That's how fascist they are. If you allow any opposing views, you're a conservative. S.E. Cup helped CNN spread the breaking news about what Andrew Cuomo did while COVID-19 infiltrated nursing homes. S.E. Cup knew from the K-File. Cuomo downplayed and deflected questions about nursing home data last spring. Oh, no shit. Everybody said it. You called us conspiracy theorists. Emma G. Fitzsimmons, Mayor Bill de Blasio, says now that Governor Cuomo has faced allegations by six women. He must resign. It is disgusting to me, and he can no longer serve as governor because I want to be the governor. But Schumer said it last night, so it's not looking good for Cuomo. He'll, he won't resign. He's going to Governor Northam, this motherfucker, and get away with it because he's got a D behind his name. Let's listen to some Cuomo stupid or some COVID stupidity. You know what was chilling? When I listened to President Biden's speech, I thought the same thing, comparing what President Trump said a year ago. And honestly, Nicole, I, everyone was very happy about what Biden said. I actually had a moment of sadness because I thought if this just could have been rewound a year. And if we could have had President Biden and his team dealing with this last year, we would still have deaths. We would still have cases, but it would no, it'd be nowhere near what we're talking about today. And that really is something that I hope we don't forget. Kim, the left will say, well, but he's delivering checks to the American people. That's making their lives better. Maybe in the short term, it does help some people, no doubt. But President Trump, of course, wanted to deliver um, money and relief to the American people, but at the same time, reopen the country, which would, you know, generate jobs and optimism, all the things we love. Uh, So where does this fall down? 
Yeah, well, not only wanted to, but did. And I think here's a statistic for people to bear in mind. Uh, we actually had five COVID bills prior, and every one of them under the last administration, and every one of them bipartisan, resoundingly bipartisan. This is the first COVID bill that we've passed done entirely on a party line. Um, how does that count for unity? Now, the press is going to call it that, and they're going to say it's great and it helps, but this is one of the problems that Molly just described, which is when you go down the road of propaganda, it's not just that you're not being true to all of your readers and watchers out there, but you become part of the propaganda, and then your own reputation rests on keeping up the falsehoods. The scope of the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, which takes up more than 600 printed pages, is unprecedented. In the coming weeks, tens of millions of Americans will receive $1,400 stimulus checks. Unemployment benefits will be expanded and the cost of health insurance under Obamacare lowered. So let's do a recap on that. Number one, if we had Biden, we'd all be great. That's keeping up with the propaganda, which is the middle thing there that they said last year. And everybody knows that's bullshit. He has not done anything. Almost everything he took credit for, and we'll cover in a second, Trump did. He hasn't improved a whole lot. They've lost 20 million fucking vaccinations. He's a fu They've not done shit. They didn't even know where we were when they went in because they just listened to the media and that last one, why wouldn't Republicans be angered? If Republicans did a bill to bail out, oh, Nashville, fucking Birmingham, southern cities, do you think the left would be like, yeah? The media is so on board with the Democrats. This isn't the first time. Think about the Sandy bill. Hurricane relief. They haven't done shit with that money, by the way. There's still fucking whole sections of the Northeast that hasn't even been fixed since then. Since Chris Christie did the the uh, Frito and hugged Obama so he could win his re-election. Yeah. Politimath, Politimath isn't going to just sit there while Cosmopolitan pimps or grotesque holography of COVID-19 fraud. Rebecca Jones. Rebecca Jones was catapulted into the public eye after saying she was fired for refusing to change COVID-19 data. What followed became a rival between a woman who never wanted the spotlight and a state official who wished we, she would shut up. RBE, she never wanted the spotlight, could not be seriously. In our exclusive interview, Gia Rebecca discusses the aftermath she experienced from not only her firing, but her subsequent media tours, police raid, and arrest, and ultimately contracting the very disease she spent months trying to warn everyone about. Since leaving Florida, Joan says her family breathes a little easier, but she knows her story is far from over. It's worth noting that we reached out to Governor DeSantis' office for comment and response. His office sent a link to a tweet. I want to thank my editor, Andrea Stanley, for putting me through the narrative boot camp, along with the amazing team at Cosmopolitan for their support to a story that seems to change near daily. A special thanks to Gio Rebecca for trusting us to tell her story. Oh boy, this is not a story at all. Emily, I don't believe you know the full story. I don't think this will age well. Skip this grotesque hagography. Hagography. I don't even know how to say the word, so I'm looking like an ignorant motherfucker. But it doesn't matter, because dictionaries making... Uh, in Biggins 
and other stupid ass words words so i it doesn't matter if i know how to say it anymore florida whistleblower and brush up on the basic of the miserable episode in media malfeasance the gap between the people who actually know things and the journalists this is plitomath who drool over telling only the activist side of the story is no longer surprising though it is ridiculous before this is over jennifer lawrence is going to be playing rebecca jones in some ridiculous movie with Kristen bale as ron DeSantis strangling puppies and spraying covid into old folks homes anyway if you want to read about what happened with rebecca jones with someone knew of her before this happened and who wanted watched it happen in real time and had real sympathy for jones in the early days check this out a long one about the florida data scandal after a teenager died of covid last summer jones attacked her family in her church claiming without any evidence that they held a covid party rebecca jones is a bad person Jones claimed there were 11,000 school-age cases of COVID, but declined to inform her audience that a large percentage of those cases were in counties that didn't have any open schools. Rebecca Jones is a bad person. Rebecca Jones attacked Emily Oster, who had been nothing but a professional and gracious in her data projects. She called her irresponsible, attacked her lack of understanding of the data, and said her work had cost lives. Rebecca Jones is a bad person. Despite a history of mental illness and multiple pending criminal investigations against her, one of which was from before when all this happened, journalists continue to fawn over Jones, repeating her lies without any verification. Anyway, in conclusion, being a liar, a criminal, and an asshole, but catering to the left is how you win awards, lavish fawning stories in national magazines, and piles of piles of money she's made three hundred and two thousand dollars nothing compared to george floyd and everything is racist today vogue touts biden's brilliant cdc boss totally avoid team trump vaccination push no they're all doing it now it's them pasadena castles covert 19 clinic after hollywood and media types jump the line Researchers accuse the CDC of misusing their data to keep schools closed. Wow, researchers used but used researchers used by the CDC to justify their latest guidance accuse them of misusing the data. The science shows we can safely open schools now full time learning and keep them open. The recent school reopening guidance released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is an example of fears influencing and resulting in misinterpretation of science and harmful policy. I cannot read today. The best way to overcome fear is to follow the science, and the science shows we can safely open our schools now full-time, learning, and keep them open, says a bunch of doctors. No science supports mandating six feet of distance with children wearing a mask. A six-foot distance between students creates space constraints for schools to open entirely. Here are the experts who actually did the science telling us that the CDC is wrong and its conclusion about their data on schools. Yet another example of how listen to the science is a meaningless phrase shouted by authoritarian fascists. Because it is fascism. Despite the narrative that Manhattan residents are fleeing to Florida, more have actually moved to Jersey, Hoboken, Philly, LA, and Chicago. Only 9% of people moving out of Florida 
or out of New York, landed in Miami-Dade County, 6%. The New York Times opinion. They say you become a New Yorker after 10 years, writes Luke Winky. I moved here in 2016, but I think 2020 should count for extra credit. Luke proposes a resettlement tax on all New Yorkers who escaped the city during the pandemic. Punishing people for leaving. But they're not fascists. Trump. God damn it. Trump's the fascist. Variant and spring break super spreader porn takes a hit. Cases are still declining in Florida, even though the more contagious B117 was projected to be dominant strain. Florida COVID paradox, cases and deaths continue to plunge despite the state's high prevalence of the UK super COVID strain. And everybody, including Nate Silver, the whole world said everybody's going to die because of spring break. My Miami Herald investigative reporter singled out comments from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis over their weight at one particular vacation site or vaccination site. Jesus, Tony. Governor Ron DeSantis, everything's great in Florida. Meanwhile, just spoke with a woman who has been waiting in the COVID vaccine car line in Miami since 4.30. She goes on and on and on and gets her beautiful, beautiful Twitter cred. But it's a FEMA line, not a Florida line. It's Biden's. And nowhere in there does she correct it. Because when you get the sweet, sweet Twitter cred, why would you correct it? Let's move on to Biden. Vicious hate crimes against Asian Americans who've been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. At this very moment, so many of them, our fellow Americans, they're on the front lines of this pandemic trying to save lives. And still, still, they're forced to live in fear for their lives just walking down streets in America. It's wrong, it's un-American, and it must stop. I've heard that there's been a dramatic increase in violence against Asian Americans. There have been a lot of stories about it in the media, and factually, that seems true. In New York alone, authorities say there has been a 1,900% increase in violence against Asian Americans. The question is, why is this happening? Joe Biden has suggested it's happening because people on the right, probably white supremacists, have tied the coronavirus to China. So it's white supremacy. Vicious hate crimes against Asian Americans who've been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. At this very moment, so many of them, our fellow Americans, they're on the front lines of this pandemic trying to save lives. And still, still, they're forced to live in fear for their lives just walking down streets in America. So again, Joe Biden is tying these crimes, which are real, to the right. He's saying anyone who talks about where the violence, where the virus came from, talks about how it may have escaped from the lab, is abetting violence against Asian Americans. That's why Asian Americans are being attacked. But it's a lie. The attackers don't look like Trump voters, necessarily. 
The terrifying encounter on February 25th captured on surveillance video. The attacker brutally assaulted her first with a weapon that appeared to be a rock in a sock. I felt the impact and next thing I knew I was on the ground and I was suffocating in my own blood in the mask. The accused attacker, 41-year-old Sean Holdup, is a former FDNY EMT with a violent past. With so many other attacks nationwide happening against Asians, many of them in Chinatowns, Nasu believes she was indeed targeted for being Asian American. Well, it's just awful. But notice the immediate need of people like Joe Biden and the rest of his party to make this into political ammunition. These kind of attacks are going on all over the country. In Philadelphia on Tuesday, for example, police have confirmed that a motorcyclist attacked an Asian-American driver and began hitting him with cinder blocks. Is it really Republican racist doing this, as Joe Biden suggested last night and so many other Democrats have told us? Ying Ma is the author of Chinese Girl in the Ghetto, and she joins us tonight. Ying Ma, thanks so much for coming on. So the left has tried Thank to you, politicize- Good to see you. This violence from the very beginning, which seems low and divisive, but it also seems incorrect. What is your view of what's happening? Well, it, it is not only incorrect, it is despicable. So let me first say that racism against Asian Americans or racism against anybody is not acceptable. And I don't doubt that to some extent the COVID virus has increased um, hostility or resentment or racist attitudes among some white people. However, in the most horrific attacks that we've seen on video, widely available to the public time and time again. The attackers are not white. Like you said, they don't quite look like white supremacists. Um, they don't look like white voters um, or Trump voters. And in fact, many of these attacks have occurred in heavily democratic cities where they did not vote for Trump in 2020 or 2016. And so what the Democrats or the far left have done actually quite effectively um, in the past year or so is to libel pre former President Trump for something that the Democrats themselves actually are very much guilty of. And, and what is that? And that is their silence and their cowardice right. um, before black on Asian attacks that often occur in America's urban areas. And these are attacks I've written about for decades, the past two decades at least. Um, and I've written about them in my book, Chinese Girl in the Ghetto. And I know that they have occurred frequently um, well before President Trump came onto the national political scene. Um, and we're not talking about racial animus between the two races, but what we are talking about is that we must be honest I don't think you're allowed uh, to be honest. I think that's that's the most severe crime you can commit right now. But I'm grateful that you're willing to to risk punishment by doing it anyway. Ying Ma, thank you so much. Take from the speech. This is another garbage speech full of lies from a senile person who thinks that they're in charge of America, but actually isn't running anything. 
and I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I mean, the, the reality is that this guy who's been trolled out to us, you know, as being the president of the United States, except for the fact that he hasn't taken a single question for 50 days, you know, comes out here and says all these different things about his expectations for the future. He's trying to defend a massive expenditure of taxpayer money, yeah. uh, but something that is also not actually targeted in any real way. And it was supposed to lead to the reopening of schools across America, but I actually don't think that it will. I mean, the, no, the simple the, the, fact is that, you know, Dr. Fauci told us that, like, oh, just pass this and we'll reopen the schools. That's not no. going to happen. What a crock of shit. There was so much in this thing that is just so fucking wrong. His speech. I'm not playing the whole thing. It wasn't about the stimulus in the end. His Biden says attacks on Asian Americans must stop. Asian Americans experience far more hate incidents than numbers integrate, says civil rights group. Stop killing us. Attacks on Asian Americans highlight rise in hate incidents in COVID-19. None of them on facts. They're on groups. And then you see that soundbite by Tucker, and it's African Americans doing it. african-americans it isn't hate from the white supremacists but we're not going to talk about that why would we and then he said he gave us the right to go to fourth of july ben shapiro so biden says that if we're good little boys and girls we can get together in small groups by july 4th in other words he's promising something by july that we're already doing today and the cdc guidance is already too restricted by an order of magnitude but i guess we're supposed to be grateful for any crumbs of liberty offered by his beneficial hand the entire world just mocked the shit out of him ted cruz come and take it with a barbecue which I thought was pretty fucking funny. ABC News, though. Despite calls for national union and bipartisanship, President Joe Biden and his top aides had declined to give the Trump administration credit on the nation's COVID-19 vaccine rollout while relying heavily on a system established by the predecessor. Sweet fucking God. The left was not happy with this. This is weird. ABC let something accurate and favorable to Trump slip through. Gordon L. Cook... Who hacked ABC? And when Biden called for 100 million shots in 100 days, a pace about 1 million shots per day, former health officials noted the U.S. had already hit that pace week of Biden's inauguration. Oh, look, journalism. Katie Pavlich. Peter Hambly. So, Biden, so far, Biden has dominated the expectation games, setting relative achievable COVID targets and then smashing through them. And so it's like likely both of these things happen before the projected date. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. Joe Biden is once again announcing something that is already happening. The amount of journalism who are either genuinely acting surprised and excited or completely faking it is telling. Curtis Hoke. Biden begins a speech by attacking the Trump administration with lies. A year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days. By the left, who said go to Chinatown and get some fucking goddamn fucking Chinese food and COVID. 
Katie Pavlich, wow, after a year of massive screw-ups and decisions by government health experts, Biden wants Americans to place their faith in government to protect them. No thanks. Biden taking credit for the vaccine is just absolutely astonishing, but not surprising. It's what the left always does. They get away with blaming the previous chain of command for everything. And then taking credit for what the previous people did. Listen, and you're smart enough to understand it. The economy that Trump got, he improved with deregulation, but it was trending that way because of what Obama did. You always have to say economically and long-term goals. It's the previous administration has just as much as the, the current administration. By the end of the th- third year before we coveted Trump's economy, he improved it. Yes. But it was already trending positive because we'd come out of the recession. But that he can't even say it because his aides won't let him. And more importantly, his base would lose their shit. Well, that says everything. Which brings us to our new segment. Because you know what these fucking telescribers said. It's hard to imagine any other contemporary politician making this speech. Oh, really? Thank God we have a president and makes you cry. It is so nice to have an empathy instead of psychopath. Uh, I I can't even read that. It's too small. You can just read them. Deborah Messing. All these fucking toads. We start with this showering money. It's crude, but it's almost like it's sexual for them. So we got to have our weekly... Jerk-off session by the media. We're calling it Flyover Politic Jerk-Off of the Week. Flyover Politic, the media jerk-off of the week. for once. It's okay. This is a big effing deal. The White House today explained that President Biden is not planning on putting his name anywhere on the check when those checks go out. And that, you know, probably shouldn't be a surprise. It's not his style, really. It's obviously sort of a petty move for a president to do something like that. But honestly, as I get older, as I live through more and more years of Republican governance, I'm getting more and more petty all the time (laughs) about stuff like this. Only because Republican presidents put their name on everything. Democratic presidents are the ones who are all modest, right? I mean, if I was a Democratic president, I would put my name on that check with like a big hologram on it, too. So it like glowed when you opened the envelope. I'd make it like one of those greeting cards that plays a song when you pull it out of the envelope and it would sing my name. (laughs) Bling at you. It would sing at you. I would do anything. I would put sequins on the thing. It would be all about remembering, you know, which party made this happen and which party all voted against it. But like I said, <laughs> as I develop an increasingly severe case of the OLD, I'm getting cattier and pettier with each passing day. And Biden is not doing that. It's why somebody like him is president and nobody asks my advice on these things. 
So tomorrow, Democrats in Washington are going to be uh, wearing their Sunday best. It is a really big landmark day for them at 9 a.m. They're going to start the home stretch final debate to pass the American Rescue Plan, uh, the big COVID relief bill. That is the first thing the Biden administration and the Democrats in Congress put their shoulders to when they got sworn in just two months ago. And, you know, time will tell how this legislation is viewed over the long haul. But just at face value, it is more wide-reaching progressive legislation than anything passed uh, in a generation. I mean, anything anything passed by at least the last two Democratic presidents. Well, what are we on, day 51? I mean, the fact that he, they're able to say um, they've got this rescue plan and, and how basically the plan he submitted to Congress is essentially the plan that got handed back to him, very minor tweaks. Um, the vaccine manufacturing and distribution has been ramped up even faster than they said. So, look, on paper, they have not said any promises they haven't met yet. Um, and that, to me, is probably the biggest theme of this speech, is that what the president is trying to sell is competency. He's trying to say, look, we know you lost a little bit of faith in government, and maybe you've lost a little bit of faith in but look what we're doing, and this is what government does when it does well. I thought it was fascinating that he mentioned the Mars perseverance. He's trying to say, see, these are things that when you follow science, you get the vaccine, competent government can do big things. So I thought thematically the most important thing out of this for me was him selling the good that he believes government can do. And I, I think part of his message was we're here to help you. Government is not the deep state. And as he said, you know, it's not some uh, capital somewhere, you know, he said, we're here to we're here to help you. And so, you know, you have to believe me, you have to restore your trust and your faith in what we are doing and understand that we're not lying to you. And we want you to get the vaccine, not because of any political statement. And we want you to wear a mask, not because of a political statement, but because it will save lives and get us out of this pandemic. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's a deeper kind of patriotism. Uh, there's this kind of cheaper patriotism that separates the American people from America's government mm -hmm. and says, I love America's people. I hate America's government. And he said, the government is us. It's a democracy. Yeah. <laughs> the government is us. And he's calling for a whole of government and whole of society approach. And when he's bragging on those competitors, I've got two corporations that are complete and they're helping us. We're working together. Those are the kind of, you know, touches that kind of just subtly suggest that maybe we can start helping each other. President Biden is targeting July 4th as the day that America can start feeling a sense of independence from the pandemic. As President Biden addressed millions of Americans speaking directly into the camera, leaning over his podium several times, you saw him using his trademark empathy as he recalled the grief and the sacrifices that Americans have endured over the last year since the coronavirus uh, really began to shut down and fundamentally change this country. But what you also saw from the president at a time when more Americans than ever, three more than three quarters of Americans, uh, believe that the worse of the pandemic is behind us, you also saw the president express some cautious optimism. In his first primetime address, President Biden giving a pandemic-weary nation glimmers of hope, with two dates on the horizon. 
One year after coronavirus upended life in America, the president injecting cautious optimism and challenging Americans to help him defeat the pandemic. And you were at the White House after 9-11, and I'm not saying that presidents haven't called for sacrifice before, David, but I don't remember seeing a president lean over a podium like that and, and, and reach out and basically shake Americans by the lapels and saying, I need you, you know, help me, help me. It was yeah. different. It felt a lot more of, you know, reading about FDR than seeing modern presidents that we've covered. He's been in this town for decades, as we know, but he has not lost that common touch. And that is really. It's so fucking hot. Thanks for the better half. I had to force her to do that kind of like beggar. She didn't want to do it. But anyway. I think it's funny. We'll do it every week now because CNN panel praises hopeful, emphatic tone of Commander-in-Chief Biden's first address. This is who he is. Oh, my God. The Hill Nation rallies for Biden on his COVID-19 response. Howard Wall, the North Korean media is cringing at the uh, just fawning of this. So embarrassing. The Hill praises the dear leader. Just say glorious leader. I'm sorry, but where did you exactly get these ideas? Uh, somebody made a picture out of it. Oh my God, it's so funny. Hold one. Oh my God, we gotta we gotta do this. Now that's some funny shit right there. It, it is like the dear leader. We have dear leader shit in here. I mean everything. Molly Hemingway. Uh, Camilla Harris prays for Biden so sycophantic and false it sounds like the Washington Post wrote it. Victory lap. Kamala Harris, you have grieved, Mr. President, out loud with our nation. Your empathy has made a trademark of your presidency and can be found on each and every page of American Rescue Plan. Uh. Biden makes numerous false claims during speech while failing to give Trump admin credit for work. Of course he did. He just lied. Inside the coronavirus spending bill that is somehow going to rain down fucking money. $60 billion, billion in surprise tax hikes. Democrat ran into issue with rules that strictly regulate legislation being passed via budget reconciliation. And there's tax hikes. one point eight dollars limit uh, deduction for public traded companies that pay their top employees more than $1 million for tax years beginning after 2026. Another extends a cap on how much certain unincorporated business owners can deduct against their non-business income. In it, he doesn't sound right, but this is what we got. Snopes sounds desperate. Maybe Biden didn't literally forget the defense secretary's name. Uh, people's reply to it as you can whoops, Biden forgot the name. What would we do without Snopes? U.S. President Joe Biden forgot the name of his defense secretary during a speech. Mixture. The video shows what's undetermined. It's unclear whether Biden literally forgot the defense secretary name at that moment or whether, for example, he got stuck in an extended thought. Days later, Absolutely. Listen to this. I mean that literally, putting patriotism and public health first. Your companies have been working closely with a man you both privately and whoever uh, bragged about, Jeff Zients. Jeff is in the front row here. I mean that literally, putting patriotism and public What does that mean? 
until the fucking rights always assigned person going, Glenn Kessler, what about Trump? WAPO fact checker Glenn Kessler wants to speak to ABC News manager about the story about Biden avoiding the press. Despite calls for national unity and bipartisan, President Joe Biden has top aides have declined to give the Trump administration credit on the nation's COVID-19 vaccine rollout while relying heavily on systems established by the predecessor. President Biden not yet holding a formal news conference to raise accountability questions. Again, Glenn Kessler, this is the fact checker. If you didn't listen to him under Trump, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Biden is late holding his first news conference, but this story fails to note that Trump only held one formal news conference in the first year, which a big issue at the time. Chopper chats are really news conference. What the fuck does Trump have to do with it? This is Mr. Transparency. Ted Cruz, Newsweek fact check on Ted Cruz stimulus check claim has evolved from mostly false to true. Six times facts nine. When Durbin said illegal immigrants don't have social security numbers, he was deliberately saying something false, knowing it would be repeated. Fact ten. Under the bill language, millions of illegal immigrants will get the $1,400 check. They tried to say it was false. Then by the end, the ruling, we had to correct it. He's right. They're getting them. But we didn't tell you that. Permala Japal, the American Rescue Plan will lower our poverty rate by over a third, including 42% drop in poverty for black, 39 for Latinx. With bold policies like this, we could transform the lives of millions of people across the country. Let's keep it going. War on poverty stats when past claims same pure fantasy when history assesses this boondoggle. All it helps are the pockets of the unions. This morning when I came in, uh, before I came down here, literally... There were people saying, uh, or uh, it was, um, of course, uh, Good Morning America, which is just all full of fucking sycophants, saying, um, it could cut poverty in half. How? How? How is it going to cut it in half? It's $1,400. Even with the tax child or child tax credit shit, you're not going to get that much goddamn help if you don't got a fucking job. But, you know, hey, remember, it's all about raining money. Dollar, dollar bills. To the border crisis, which isn't a crisis still. Also out of Washington, the growing crisis for the Biden administration as they struggle to answer basic questions about the number of migrants at the border. Sources confirming to ABC News that the number of children detained at the border has hit a record high. Our chief White House correspondent, Cecilia Vega, has the very latest. Good morning, Cecilia. Hi, Michael. Good morning to you. So the White House says that they inherited a completely gutted immigration system from the Trump administration, and they are trying to do everything they can to figure out a way to safely and humanely house these children. And the chief of staff here is now calling this one of the most vexing problem problems this administration faces. This morning, the record surge in unaccompanied migrant children at the southern border is overwhelming government facilities, leaving almost all the beds taken. But the White House continues to say it is not a crisis. I don't think we need to sit here and put new labels on what we have already conveyed is challenging. Through a report obtained from anonymous sources, ABC News has learned the number of children crossing the border without their parents or guardians has swelled to nearly 3,500 in the last two weeks alone, including nearly 200 kids under the age of 12. So many flooding the system, some 1,500 have been held beyond the three days legally allowed. Children now being housed in facilities meant for adults. The Biden administration conceding they need more space. 
Yet despite promising transparency, officials have not allowed journalists in to see the conditions themselves. The press secretary pressed on the situation more than a dozen times in Tuesday's briefing, refusing to confirm even those latest figures on children crossing the border. I'm not going to confirm numbers from here. Why won't you confirm that number? That's a very important number. Those numbers are tracked by the Department of Homeland Security, so I'm certainly, I'm just suggesting that you talk to them. Did we... And that is the uh, that that was what happened here in the briefing room yesterday. Now there is a charge that we are continually hearing from Republicans. They say that overturning uh, Trump's hardline immigration policy signals to migrants that is makes it easier right now to cross the border under the Biden administration. The White House has repeatedly said, guys, that the message is do not come right now. But it seems, given these numbers that we are seeing, that message is not quite getting through, guys. This has been such a perplexing dilemma. Okay, Cecilia, thanks very much. Coincidence that as soon as Trump and his immigration policy were on the way out and Biden and his stated policy were on the way in, this historic surge at the border started? Well... First of all, one of the things I think is important is we've seen surges before. Surges tend to respond to hope. And there was a significant hope for a more humane policy after four years of, you know, pent-up demand. So I don't know whether I would call that a coincidence, but I certainly think that the idea that a more humane policy would be in place may have driven people to make that decision, but perhaps more importantly, it definitely drove smugglers to express disinformation, to spread disinformation about what was now possible. America's immigration policy through executive order hitting a roadblock after a federal judge extended the suspension of Biden's deportation freeze of 100 days. But some major changes are still to come, and it's being revealed the White House has guidelines to limit arrests and deportations by ICE. We've been talking about it for the last couple of days. Here to react is Fox News contributor and retired ICE director Tom Homan. Tom, good morning to you. Good morning. So these uh, these guidelines that are circulating, it makes it sound like, you know, for for the average crime uh, that somebody who is in this country illegally commits, they're not going to get deported. So it's harder to arrest them, which means it's harder to deport them. Exactly. And that's what they're doing. They're circumventing the judge's order. And, you know, thank God for the AG in Texas who's taking this on. And, and thanks to Chip Roy. Chip Roy has led a group of 50 senators to send a letter asking about this. But look, I'm a part of that lawsuit. I actually filed an affidavit with the Texas AG explaining to him the consequences of, of such a policy. Because look, you and I, Steve, have talked the last couple of years. Every time someone's released from a sanctuary jail, they commit a murder, commit a rip, rape. We talk about it for a couple of days and it goes away. Be clear what's happening here. The President Biden has declared the entire country a sanctuary jurisdiction, yeah. which means more tragedies is going to come. Mark my word, people will die, people will be raped, people will be victimized by criminals that shouldn't even be here. You think uh, this is Biden's biggest challenge? I think it's going to be one of its, his biggest challenges because the Trump administration left this country in, in such a mess, right? Um, and so you, you have sort of the, the global pandemic, which I think was the most pressing issue, which actually... That's what we like to call lying. She's just lying. 
border czar. Robert Jacobson warns migrants not to come to U.S. DOS restarts the CAM program to reunite migrant children parents. The border is not open. Jacobson answered Peter Ducey question about whether it's a coincidence border crossing attempts spiked after Biden. The idea that more humane policy be in place. Blah, blah, blah. It's Trump's fault. You heard those cows over on the fucking view. The Biden administration wants to send $4 billion to Central America, even though we're all dying. Um... Or fucking poor as shit. Ted Cruz. There is a crisis on the southern border of Joe Biden creation. Throughout his campaign, Biden promised illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, benefits, amnesty, and law enforcement and immigration law. I've got the receipts. Here it is. He promised ba- health care. Last June, when I, NBC and Phil would have moderated that first debate with you, I, I didn't, I don't recall a clear answer. Under your plan, should, would, the 11, 12 million undocumented immigrants that live in the United States that have been here many for generations, would they have access yes. to health insurance? Yes, they Of course they would. They all said it. Here's another one. A lot of you have been talking tonight about these government health care plans that they proposed in one form or another. Do I need to play it? He gave them the moon and the stars. Katie Pavlich, Misaki keeps saying the vast majority of people who come to the border are being turned away. According to CBP members, numbers, that's not true. There's a guy, I'm going to play it next time. Um, Rosa went down. He was astounded with people just walking across the border. At border, record number of migrant youth wait adult detention centers or cells for longer than legally allowed. 35 unaccompanied teens and children are stuck at the Border Patrol station waiting for shelter beds to open. The largest number of minors held this way during Trump was 2,600, and we lost our shit. Ducey embarrasses Psaki for laughing at the question about migrant children at the border and closed schools. Let me play this, because I think I edited it out. You've been telling migrants from right there for a month now, all the way back to February 10th, that now is not the time to come, but they are coming in bigger numbers every day. So do you have a messaging problem? Well, I would say that in the last administration, we had a morality problem, and uh, oh, children morality. were being from the arms yeah, of their there parents, you go. and there you go. kids were being set, set back on a treacherous journey, and bosom. that's not the approach of this administration. So certainly we understand that means there will be more kids who are crossing the border. We made a policy decision that that was the right, humane step to take. But I think it's also important for people to understand that the vast majority of people who come to our border are turned away, are sent back uh, to their countries. What we're talking about here are unaccompanied children. And what our focus is on is ensuring that there are uh, safe places for these kids to go that have access where they have access to educational resources, health uh, and medical attention, uh, legal assistance as needed, and that we can expedite the vetting so that they can get to families and sponsors uh, where they can uh, have their cases adjudicated. But since the last administration is gone, tomorrow's 50 days of Biden. There are migrants showing up wearing T-shirts that say Biden, please let us in. And candidate Biden is the one who said. I would end this notion for the first time in history that people seeking asylum have to be in squalor on the other side of the river. Why doesn't he come out and just say, now is not the time? Well, he actually did an interview with Univision about a week or week and a half ago where he conveyed a similar message. And we've conveyed that at every opportunity that we have. I will say we, we are, as you noted, almost 50 days in. 
We are dig digging ourselves out of a broken and dismantled system. Roberta, uh, Master Jacobson referenced this in her opening as well. When it comes to engagement with countries, addressing the root causes, we couldn't start doing that until January 20th. There are programs like the relaunching of the Central American Miners Program, which was ended by the prior administration in 2017, and that meant that uh, that, that program, which would have allowed for people to apply from the region, we had to restart that program. So we're working to fix the mess of the last couple of years. It's oh, going to take some time. It's but this is clearly a priority for the president. We're looking yeah. at a range of options, uh, which include the opening of additional facilities. Uh, it includes uh, steps we can take to expedite the processing. It includes uh, application and implementation of these CDC guidelines that were just came out that allow for more uh, children to be housed safely in these facilities. So we're looking at every option possible to help address the challenges we're facing. And you mentioned those CDC guidelines. Does the White House think it's a problem that when the CDC tells these migrant shelter facilities that they can be at full capacity if they are careful about COVID, many of them do, but when the CDC tells schools that they can open in person at full capacity, many of them don't. Are, is there a school in particular that you have as an example that what didn't? What a smart ass. Are most schools in this country at full capacity with in-person learning? Uh, are, is there a specific school, though, that is not following the CDC guidelines of, of implementing the mitigation steps so they can reopen? She's getting pissed. Schools, you can be at, every school can be at full capacity. Well, the, the, CDC know, the CDC guidelines, just to be clear, because I think this is very important to be very clear and specific on, they, they gave eight mitigation steps that schools can take to safely reopen. A number of schools have actually recently reopened. Schools in uh, Washington, D.C., some have. Schools in many districts across the country. But each school district needs to make the decision about whether they are able to take those mitigation steps. The president has also been clear. Some of these school districts need additional anymore. They're just fucking lying. Poll by CNN. Weakest point on new CNN survey of his presidency. Immigration. 43% approved, 49 disapproved. You have to understand, that's a liberal poll. The inlays are mostly liberals. They just lie. They can get away with lying. Nobody fucking cares. Nobody cares. So, one more thing, and then we go to a short woke section. House approves measure to expand firearm background checks with waiting periods. 17 Democrats go from favoring notifying ICE if an illegal alien tries to buy a gun to opposing it. So once again, you try to buy a gun, go fuck yourself. Illegals, oh, we got a problem. One Democrat joins nearly all Republicans in voting against gun control measures. Steve Scalise, the House approves a bill to require background checks on all gun sales, including private sales between individuals. Eight Republicans voted for the bill, which now goes to the U.S. Senate. House, blah, blah, blah. Steve Scalia, breaking. House Democrats just rejected an amendment that would have required ICE to be notified if an illegal immigrant tries to buy a gun. But they're fine taking away guns from American citizens. And remember, he got fucking shot! Ban on 205 different assault weapons introduced by Feinstein. Here comes the big one. But no, it was so much better. Getting rid of fucking Trump was so much better. It was the best thing we could ever done. 
It's what we needed to do, mind you, because we needed to get rid of Trump. Trump is bad. Trump is bad. Trump is bad. So let's do a little quick woke, and then we're going to go into everything is racist, because it really is. It's always is. It just is. First and foremost, Melissa McCarthy flees to Australia and trashes America for hate culture. I just want to make sure you understand that. That nice little lady that's super funny. Yeah, she's a fucking bitch. You'll be freer than ever. John Hayward takes the woke left apart in a merciless thread on the Great Reset Model of Democracy. The Great Reset Model of Democracy rebooted with an authoritarian chorus telling itself with the exact same rhetoric of the Chinese. Chinese. The Chinese also claim that people are free and safe. Every single argument you're hearing from woke censors right now is word for word identical to CCP when they criticize for a ty- tyranny and human rights abuses. No difference is all. Other authoritarian states do the same. You still have robust freedom of speech. Only a paranoid would claim otherwise. It's just that you're not allowed to say false things. It's determined by the Ministry of Truth. And you can't say hateful things by the Ministry of Truth. We're banning a few books today. Then we'll ban a few more tomorrow. But don't worry. There are still tons of books you're allowed to read. We're just going to silence some haters so that people who speak of love can be heard more clearly. Only a paranoid lunatic would call us enemy of the democracy. We love democracy. In fact, we'll make it better by ensuring you only have high-quality candidates with correct views to vote for. Fringe radicals will no longer be allowed to weaken democracy by gobbling up votes. We'll make democracy stronger by ensuring core functions of the state and matters settle forever by consensus of finest experts are placed beyond the reach of renegade voters. We can't have a few elections the representatives thwarting the sacred will of the people. There are some things you just can't be allowed to resist or vote against, like justice, truth, or unity, as defined by the Ministry of Justice, Truth, and Unity. What kind of a monster would vote against those things? Nobody, any good citizen, would be listening to to do that. There would be fewer issues you're allowed to vote on or disagree with, but that's necessary to, to ensure state integrity, so it can be bring peace, justice, and security to the people, but inside the smaller, safer playground of democracy, you'll be freer than ever. Don't worry about transparency and accountability, because you're going to be make journalism better than ever, too, by ensuring only properly accredited, properly trained, ideologically sound numbers of the Guild of Journalists can practice it. No more disinformation. Phony journalism from uncredited renegades sabotage the just the righteous state, which is need, we remind you, synonymous with truth, justice, and security. They're home for things that people don't need to know. We must be forever on guard against the Russian bot. Only card-carrying members of the Journalism Guild working closely with the friendly state can bring you all important context citizens need to understand the flood of information bombarding them. Only the guild is trained to spot and suppress bad facts. Bad facts are technically true in the sense they are things that happen and there is documentation to prove it, but they reduce the public wisdom and understanding because they just disrupt context and damage the official narrative. Under Democracy 2.0, the public must be protected from bad facts that will hurt them by damaging the authoritarian core of the state. One other thing to understand about Democracy 2.0 is it looks forward, ever forward, to progress and perfection. For that reason, it will be necessary to erase certain troublesome accidents. Bad history must go away. When you're driving down the difficult road towards utopia, the last thing you need is a bunch of cotchety backseat drivers pointing at exit receding behind you and yelling that you should have turned there. Correct history is a simple narrative. It would be foolish to teach a version of history that disrupts the operation of the core authoritarian state 
interferes with the great quest for justice and equity, challenged settled issues and pointless. Speaking of those settled issues, it would also be pointless and counterproductive to expect the elite to live under the rules they impose on the lessers. The reference, the referees of the game must be able to move around the field in ways the players cannot. The core operating system must follow different rules than all of you lessers. Saboteurs cannot be allowed to disrupt the core state by wantoning charging its wise administrators with hypocrisy or assisting to live the same way you do. In order to achieve justice, some people must be treated unfairly. For speech to be meaningfully free, some must be silenced. Pure truth can only be distilled by removing bad facts. Democracy is only constructive when the people understand what they're allowed to vote for. You can hear all the arguments in a crude, clumsy, hysterical form from the woke left in the West today. And you can hear from polished, refined, and taken to their logical conclusion from the Chinese Communist Party. No difference in substance, only presentation. And don't forget unity, the excuse Biden recently used to defend the genocide of the Uyghurs. Any atrocity done in the name of unity is justified by the greater good to society. Of course, unity means blind allegiance and acceptance of whatever the party says or does. Finna! A phonetic spelling representing the African-American vernacular English variant affixing to. Supposably, which is an adverb meaning as may be assumed, imagined, or supposed. Those are now words. Words. Because remember, everything's racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Of course there's progress, and of course we're seeing change happens, and all of the machinations that, that you see from the alt-right and from uh, the, the racists and from the neo-Nazis and from the capital insurrectionists, it's, you'll be surprised for me to hear me say that I'm optimistic about the future. Because I think because the reason we're seeing all of that is because people are, are afraid of the, how this country is changing. Yeah. They're fighting a losing battle. The demographics of this country are changing as we speak, moment to moment. By 2045, Jimmy, we will be a minority-majority country. And that is scary for a lot of folks. And that's why you see people storming the Capitol. That's why you see people making up lies about uh, an election being stolen. And that's why you see people fighting tooth and nail to take this country back to a place b where before people of color fought for equality. And yeah. so I am optimistic that there are more people in this country, especially if you look at the election that happened in November, at least 80 some odd million people who are willing to fight for a more perfect union, which is the promise of this country. Well, the book is certainly a step forward to making uh, change happen. Uh, I thank you again for coming on. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. Every single, every chance I can get. Uh, I, I love you, bud, and uh, I can see you through the, 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 the. You're in that building over there. Thanks, so, hey, Jimmy. Yeah, take care, buddy. Uh, thanks <laughs> and again. And let's for do this again. And keep being you, Jimmy. Keep being curious. And thank you for your honesty and your candor and and your humanity. I thank really you, appreciate bud. it. Tim. Tim, I have to. 
I know you don't want me to yell, but this is out. This is ridiculous. You are gaslighting people. You are giving people misinformation. What are you doing, brother? So it's this. God, ugh. it just angers me sometimes that people can be so ignorant. It is outrageous. And again, I, if, I, if I have to say this every single night of my life while I'm here, I will. You, you need to know the history of this country. Do you know how many black families were separated during slavery? I've had my ancestry done twice. It is so hard to even find, find records that go back even two generations sometimes because what? The intentional separation of black families. But while President Joe Biden is about to sign a presidency defining bill, the GOP, the party of no, trying to distract and dis deflect with some really shameful statements about race, like this disgusting claim that Black Lives Matter doesn't like families. I know the strength that Black Lives Matter had in this last election. I know it's a group that it doesn't like the old-fashioned family. Um, disturbed that we have another program here in which we're increasing the marriage penalty. Years ago, I used to always say it was big money. So every once in a while, you're going to hear more money, more money, more money. Because we're going to get to the money shot. Oh, it's coming. And I don't mean that sexually. It is just a fucking industry that won't go away. You are the face of privilege. You cannot speak for us. Loudoun County VA teachers torch a school board and dismantle critical race theory. Let's listen. This school district continues to show up on national news and is absolutely embarrassing to see what once used to be the nation's leading uh, school district has desecrated to. This school district is upon almost every single school district in the nation that continues to force teachers through mandatory training where we are told to examine our whiteness, white privilege, white supremacy, microaggressions upon every other thing that is absolutely stupid and racist. Now the same school district wants to threaten to fire teachers who do not agree with the critical race theory. You are the face of privilege. You do not speak for us if you do not work with us. If you keep up this racist insanity, you will have successfully stripped us of every ounce of love of teaching. And so far, you have succeeded in doing that. Keep this up, and you will lose all of your teachers at the same rate that you have been losing these incredible families who some of you fall asleep when they're trying to get your attention. God bless. Good for her. It's everywhere. This is, this is the stuff the media is putting out. Racial inequality in Hollywood costs the industry $10 billion per year. How? Oh, we don't have to say it. We just put it out. AP, for black women around the globe, the pushback to Prince Meghan Harry claim of racism, were painfully familiar. Some say it yet another example of black women's experience with racism being disregarded through denials and gaslighting. Prince Harry Meghan? Have they melded? What the fuck? Did you speak for all black people? A black people shouldn't said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bloomberg Business Week cover story question. Is the tax code racist? With the black lady sitting in a bunch of flowers. 
first responder drummer pits firefighters against cops because cops are racist. Christopher Rufo, California proposed ethics studies curriculum calls for the decolonization of America society and has students chant to the Aztec god of human sacrifice. The solution, according to one author, is counter-genocide against white Christians. California ethnic curriculum model, ethnic study curriculum model, based on the Marxist pedology of oppressed, instructs students to challenge racist, bigoted, discriminatory, imperial, colonial beliefs and critique white people, supremacy, racism, and other forms of power and oppression. I'm not going to read any more. Blue check drop for claiming right-wing culture warriors like Barry Weiss are using Substack to organize harassment campaigns and once again, racism. 13-year-old schoolgirl admits lying about the incident that led to the beheading of the teacher in Paris. NBC Sports is going to need to work a bit harder to convince Jews that they're not soft on anti-Semitism. This was on air. Let's go, baby. Fucking cowards. Don't fucking snag me, you fucking kike bitch. Kike <laughs> bitch. They're the people telling you you're racist. Yeah. This is, this is good shit. Black single mom whose son passes as white suing school over its hostile sociology of change, class root, and anti-racism. I'll just break it down. The fact of the matter is, they literally made him go to race, critical race classes, but he's black. You can look it up on Tucker. And why am I doing mo' money, mo' money, mo' money? George Floyd GoFundMe account has raised $13.7 million. Minneapolis reaches, Minneapolis, this is, Minneapolis reaches $27 million settlement. So let's do the math on this. $41 million because the guy took fentanyl-laced meth. I could play the segment. Look it up. It's on Tucker. You see the whole thing. He was in a fucking drug-induced panic before they showed up. Now, does it make what the cop did any... No, it's not right what he did. That's not the point. He died of an overdose. The coroner and... And... The defense says he died of an overdose. But it's all about my money. Make it rain. I said it. I probably sound like a racist, but it's an industry. Democrat Oregon State Senator introduced bill to pay black people $130,000 reparation. Yukon will play white pay white fragility author Robin D'Angelo $20,000. And that's why I played the lemon soundbite. Because let's let's break it down. He's seeing Whitey Goo do it. Why wouldn't he write his book and make some money, money, money? Patrick Ewan, an angry 
is angry that security guards enforce COVID-19 protocols, keep checking his ID at Madison Square Garden. Patrick Union says going to call James Dolan because he keeps getting asked about what passes he's wearing and keeping getting stopped in the hallway. I thought this is my house. This is my house. IDs are racist. It's all just a fucking money laundering scam. Money, money, money. Mo money with some mo money. I'll try to whip up that Tucker segment, but let's play a trans soundbite. We're not going to do it today, but here's some more tranny shit. Uh, right off the bat, because I know, you know, people have talked about lookalikes and whatnot. I have to ask, are you the real Melania Trump? I'm as real as the office of Melania Trump. Yeah, so about your office, what is it that you do there? What don't we do? At the office of Melania Trump, we work tirelessly, one to one and a half days a week. Yeah, but what does the office of Melania Trump do? But what does the office of Melania Trump do, you may be asking? I just ask that. Do they do consulting work, accounting? Can they represent me in court? The answer to that question is, how much money do you have? Yeah, but that's not an answer. The office of Melania Trump, the only office that will have you saying, where is it? Uh, why would I need to know where it is? So you can enjoy our services. Here we go. Which are? Thank you for asking. We love our customers. Who are your customers? No one, anyone. The office of Melania Trump welcomes people of all types of person. I need you to be more specific about what you do there. <gasps> you need me? Oh, my God. Seth, the answers to your questions is in the wind. It's in the smile of a child. It's in the life of a baby. The office of Melania Trump is in us all. See, I thought you'd be excited to finally be out of the spotlight. Why would you start up a business anyway? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No one said we were a business. Then what is the office of Melania Trump? Here is a list of the many things we offer. Thank you. We offer tasks, checklists, a wide array of verbs and nouns. This, that, all of what is over there. Every single stuff, that thing we do, and of course, our specialties. That's right. If you're looking for some of it, we may just be what you're listening to right now. The office of Melania Trump. It has walls. Now, I know that's not trans-centric, but that's them mocking Melania. And I'm over today. I'm trying to keep it under. We're, we're at uh, 2 hours and 12 minutes and... I don't want to go into the rest because I got a segment on Google. But literally, I got these female stuff. It's all about the female. But there is no female. Right? But this would be wrong if she was a dem- I don't know. You tell me. This whole trans thing is just so confusing. Now, I wanted to cover a Google thing. Because some stuff came down this week. And I found this article that is just unbelievably astounding. This is from August 19, 2015. How Google could rig the 2016 election. Google has the ability to drive millions of votes to candidates with no one the wiser. 
America's next president, could be eased into office not, not just by TV ads or speeches, by Google secret decisions, and no one except for me and perhaps a few other obscure researchers would know how this was accomplished. Research I have been directing in recent years suggests that Google Inc. has amassed far more power to control elections, indeed to control a wide variety of opinions and beliefs, than any company in history has ever had. Google's search algorithms can easily shift the voting preference of undecided voters by 20% or more, up to 80% in some demographic groups, with virtually no one knowing they are being manipulated, according to experiments I conducted recently with Donald E. Robertson. Given that many elections are won by small margins, this gives Google the power to flip Upwards of 25% of national elections worldwide in the United States, half our presidential elections have been won under 7.6%. Recently, only 3.9%. This was 2015. And now... With the 2020 series, serious invasion of privacy lawsuit says Google Home device illegal illegally processed audio data. A federal complaint contends that Google entry into the smart speaker race, the Google Home, is getting too nosy for its own good. A class action lawsuit filed last week in U.S. District Court in Northern District of California by two state residents say the devices are processing auto d- audio data even without users giving the OK Google command or any kind of authorization. Now, you see what just happened? I have that shut off on my phone. But it just comes back on. Despite its myriad efforts to persuade consumers that the Google Home guards their privacy, Google has never informed users that the Google Home could be activated, record, and or transmit everything in a user's home, even when the user does not use the activation phrase, and even when there's no sound in the house that sounds anything remotely like the activation phrase. Google admits, these are all 2020 articles, its home speaker records all the time, August 11. Google's admitted that its home speaker records users at all time, even when they hadn't, had, hadn't said wake words such as, OK, Google. For privacy reasons, the device normally doesn't listen until they hear the wake words designed into them, and they're supposed not to record until that point. Protocol reported, but users on Reddit started to get notifications when their Google Home devices had recorded events such as glass breaking. The register reported the alerts were normally offered only to users who subscribed the Nest Aware Home, but others got it. Another article, The Guardian. Alexa, are you invading my privacy? The dark side of our voice assists. That's from 2019. This psychologist claims Google search results unfairly steer voters to the left. Conservatives love him. Los Angeles Time, March 2019. Let's listen. If you're using Google to do any kind of political research online, first of all, you shouldn't be using Google. Google search results, search suggestions, answer boxes. Apart from the fact that all of that stuff can be used to manipulate you, uh, apart from that, there's the tracking problem in search results, that 
shifts the opinions and the voting preferences of undecided voters, uh, very dramatically so. The effects on users are subliminal. People can't see the bias, and that makes this kind of uh, influence extremely dangerous. If you can't see a source of influence, but your opinions shift, you end up concluding that you've made up your own mind. That's very, very dangerous. We are now seeing big tech making content-related decisions for people around the world, including here in the United States. What content is available to a free citizenry is driven and shaped by the political agendas of these tech corporations, not consumer preferences. Both Mr. Travis and Mr. Greenwald cite this in their written testimony. Last fall, when big media teamed up with big tech to make sure the American people didn't hear about the Hunter Biden story in the weeks leading up to a presidential election. So we've already see them, seen them team up against we the people. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, after years of allowing false information about President Trump and the false Russia collusion information that we saw perpetrating across the American sphere, social media platforms then decided to ban legitimate content about Hunter Biden. This is disturbing because it's a reflection of the role these companies wish to play in dominating civic life and public discourse. There we go. Uh, I got it up. Yeah, that's black owned. They're already starting. That you're a bad person unless you buy minority food or some shit. Nothing about the left isn't fascism right now. They're brainwashing. They own the narrative on TV. They own the internet. They own everything. And you heard Buck Jordan slam tech censorship. It's not going to change anything. They're forever going to be the turds they are. It's just a fact. They're going to change voting. They're going to do everything. It is out of control. Two last things, and then This is America, which will be that Tucker segment. Didn't do the whole thing because it's really long. Republican pro-lifers condemn unconscionable abortion funding in COVID bill. Pro-life activists condemn the massive COVID relief package that cleared Congress Wednesday, telling the Daily Caller News Foundation the bill will funnel massive amounts of funding to abortion providers. Because this bill funnels money in subsidized private insurance that include abortion coverage, it's going to be difficult to even ballpark the cash. This bill will send to Planned Parenthood. The bill appropriated $50 million to the Department of Health and Human Services, allowing HHS to send money to abortion clinics. And that is a violation of... Of the Hyde Amendment. While we love abortion providers was a thing this week. Today and every day, RHAP recognizes the challenges that abortion providers face to ensure that abortion is accessible to everyone who needs it. Send this to Abortion Provider, a gift card. It's National Abortion Provider Appreciation Day, March 10th. Abortion providers help us grow. Abortion providers allow us to bloom. Abortion providers are resilient, innovative, and adaptive. They weather storms in order to provide abortion care. Abortion care is essential care, and throughout the pandemic, abortion providers have consistently cared for our communities. We're so grateful for compassionate abortion providers across the country. Today is this Latina Institute, National Provider Abortion, Sister Song, PRHH, Abortion Finder, Abortion Care Network, Ohio RCRC, Catholics for Choice. You can't 
go to church. Most of the people, like Chris Cuomo said, are starving. But we can funnel money to bail out blue cities. We can funnel money to schools that are going to do nothing with it. Our kids still aren't going to go back to school. And we can funnel money for abortion. Yeah. Good shit. Illegal money for abortion. This is America. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, and This is America. 2021. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. My area. I got the strap. Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. There are a lot of things going on in the world right now, but we thought this was significant. Jury selection has just begun in the murder trial of Derek Chauvin. Chauvin is one of the officers who has been accused of murdering George Floyd in Minneapolis last Memorial Day. Now, on one level, this trial is a local crime story, one of many unfolding right now. But of course, it's also incalculably more than that. The death of George Floyd changed the United States profoundly and forever. George Floyd, we were told, wasn't simply an individual. He was every African-American in the country. Derek Chauvin wasn't just a cop. He was the physical embodiment of America's institutions. When Chauvin murdered George Floyd, he was doing to one man what our country has done to all African-Americans. Many people told us this, including Joe Biden. I just want to say a few words about the, the horrific killing of George Floyd in, in Minnesota. And it sends a very clear message to the black community and black lives that uh, are under threat every single day. They speak to a nation where too often just the color of your skin puts your life at risk. George Floyd's last words uh, spoke to a nation where the color of your skin dictates the safety in your future. I'm a white man. I think I understand, but I can't feel it. George Floyd murdered because he was black. That's what they told us. They demanded that we believe that. And if you doubted it in any way, if you didn't questions about the facts of the case, then you were effectively as guilty as the racist cop who killed George Floyd. When theology teacher at a Catholic high school in Columbus, Ohio, learned that lesson the hard way. During a virtual class, teacher Deborah Del Prince noted that the cause of George Floyd's death was, quote, disputed. Now, that's literally true. The trial hadn't even begun yet. A dispute is at the core of every trial. But for the crime of observing the truth, the Catholic Diocese of Columbus fired Deborah Del Prince. According to the diocese, Del Prince had made, quote, unsupported personal assertions and opinions about the death of George Floyd. Tonight, we're going to do what you are not allowed to do in Catholic high schools in Columbus or anywhere else in America. We're going to assess calmly and as honestly as we can what happened to George Floyd on Memorial Day. George Floyd's death was sad. Every death is sad, as we often point out. But the question is, was it murder? That question matters deeply because George Floyd's death has been used to reshape how we live in this country. Because he died, we have something called equity. And under the pretext of equity, our leaders have enshrined open racism in nearly all of our institutions. You see it everywhere, from corporate hiring quotas to woke kindergarten lesson plans. 
Americans have been told that George Floyd's death was a racist murder, and they're responsible for it. It is not incumbent upon black people to stop racism, to stop this. It is incumbent upon people who hold the power in this society to help to do that, to do the heavy lifting. And guess who that is? Who is that, Chris? White people. White people, quote, are responsible. CNN said that out loud, but many others joined them. Now, that assertion led to rioting that killed at least 19 people and may kill more. It destroyed hundreds of businesses. Minneapolis, where all of this began, may never return to normal. This is what the city looked like last year. <laughs> summer before the city council of Minneapolis cut funding for the police. The city hasn't gotten any safer then. In the first weeks of January this year, Minneapolis saw a 250% increase in gunshot victims compared to last year. The neighborhood where George Floyd died is now more dangerous than ever. Businesses are boarded up. Residents call it George Floyd Square. We visited that neighborhood a few weeks ago and walked around just to see what it was like. Got lunch at the convenience store where George Floyd passed his fake 20. The whole place was awful. It was not improved. It was much worse. Nothing BLM has done in the city of Minneapolis has improved the lives of the people who live there. On Saturday night, a man was shot to death in that neighborhood. A reporter from the Washington Examiner, Joe Simonson, tried to get to George Floyd Square to find out what had happened. He's a reporter, but he couldn't. He was informed that no white people were allowed in. So that is a, a snapshot of the equity that George Floyd's death has been used to justify. No fault of George Floyd's, but that's what's happened. The second reason we're gonna assess what exactly happened to George Floyd is that it's likely that Derek Chauvin won't receive a fair trial. Now, you may not care, but you should care. That should matter to you regardless of who you voted for. Every American deserves a fair trial, period. That's the whole point of this country, equal justice under the law. There is no other point. But will Chauvin have a fair trial? Hundreds of activists, some dressed in all black, have been staring down National Guard troops outside the courthouse in Minneapolis all week. They shut down streets outside the courthouse on Monday. We need justice, people, one shouted, justice by any means necessary. In other words, if you vote to acquit Derek Chauvin, the mob is saying, the community will burn because we will burn it. It's like something from Mississippi in the 1920s. Where is the Justice Department in the middle of all this? Where's the so-called Civil Rights Division to protect the civil rights of Derek Chauvin, who, by the way, has civil rights. Yes, even accused cops have the right to a fair trial. Your civil rights are not suspended when you're accused. This is America. But of course, the Civil Rights Division is nowhere to be found. They're doing nothing. So not surprisingly, during jury selection yesterday, several jurors expressed a reluctance to have anything to do with the case. Would you want to be a juror? Don't think so. One prospective juror explained the threats he would face. Can you tell us why you weren't sure? It's, it's more from a safety security standpoint. 
uh, as far as I'm concerned, I feel comfortable and safe, but I just wouldn't want any, uh, you know, any issues or, or harm to come to my wife or my family. If uh, certain individuals that were, were out to, to intimidate or, or cause harm, I mean, they, if they knew where I lived, I mean, it's potential they could, you know, do damage to the house or, or spray paint the house or garage door or break a window. So the jurors are intimidated. That's the point of mob justice. It was the point of mob justice 100 years ago in the American South. It's the point of mob justice in Minneapolis today. The thugs outside the courthouse don't want jurors to focus on the evidence. They know that evidence might not help their case. Much of that evidence hasn't been seen by most of the American population. The effort to hide it began immediately after George Floyd died. Everyone has seen the footage of Derek Chauvin with his knee on George Floyd's neck. It's horrible. It's also confusing. As you watch it, you ask yourself, why would a police officer act like that? Of course, it must be illegal. No one in the media thought to tell us that, in fact, using a need to restrain an uncooperative suspect is the official policy of the Minneapolis Police Department. In fact, it's taught at the police academy. You're seeing a slide from training from the academy on your screen right now. But you didn't see that slide last summer because our media were busy building a murder case against Derek Chauvin and using it to transform this country, which they successfully have. Nor did anyone in the press think to report what happened before Derek Chauvin put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Authorities in Minnesota made certain that no one could see the body cam footage that showed it. Body cams exist so that we can know what happened, but they hid this footage. And we only saw it because the Daily Mail, which is from Great Britain and therefore slightly less terrified and dishonest than our own media are, got a copy of it. The body cam video showed officers working for about 20 minutes trying to detain a man who they believe had just committed a crime, passing a fake $20 bill. A man who clearly had lost all sense of reality. The footage showed George Floyd begging officers to stay with him. He was clearly suffering. The tape is wrenching to watch. It really is. And by the end, you are filled with sympathy for George Floyd. But it's not the picture of a murder. The incident began around 8 p.m. on May 24th when a grocery clerk called police to report that George Floyd had used a counterfeit bill. Officers found Floyd in a car nearby. Immediately, it was very obvious that something was very wrong with George Floyd. Hands on top of your head. Step out of the vehicle and step away from me, all right? Step out and face away. Step out and face away. Please don't shoot me. Please, man. I'm not going to shoot you. Step out and face away. I'm going to get out of here, man. Please don't shoot me, man. Don't shoot me, man. I just lost my mom, man. This has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just facts. 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 Our entire country has changed due to a guy who was dying of a fentanyl-laced meth overdose. The cop was a horrible person. What he did was wrong. But we've changed our whole country. We let a political party in the media seize on a bad event of a man in a drug-induced panic dying on a street corner, alter our country forever, make everybody more fucking hateful of each other while they're using COVID for one gigantic propaganda piece to get elected. 
and now we're on the other side of it. Facts don't matter. They don't want to give up the control. Our entire country is a fucking shitstorm, and they're rigging it so they'll always win elections with HR1, and Google still hasn't released their biased algorithms. It's still the same. It hasn't changed. It'll never change. Twitter, Facebook, it doesn't matter. The left is the fascists. Are the fascists. Maybe that's the right English. Well, fuck it. We don't even need that anymore. Dictionary.com's changing everything. We have now gone to full court press of our kindergarten kids being called racists. Ebonic words being added to the dictionary. And it's mo money that nobody's even accounted for. I mean, on top of George Floyd making bank, his family, BLM got $400 million unaccountable. And the COVID relief bill is just a slush fund for Democrats for the next campaign. But yeah, we need to worry about QAnon. That's the ball. Okay. So this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politics Podcast. Share with family and friends. Get everything at foppodcast.com. Get the video. Get the audio. If you're a purist, go to SoundCloud for audio. Go to Rumble. Both of those are linked in the webpage at foppodcast.com. As always, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yes. Tune back in for our next show, which will be Wednesday, 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 17 March, Year of Our Lord 2020. I'm sure it'll be a great time. And to show you how bad, and I'm not just talking out my butt about this shit, you notice I had to get that audio off Screenmatic. That's a screen capture. You couldn't download it. You can't get it anywhere. YouTube purges Tucker Carlson because he's the only person talking about facts right now. Pretty sad. Very sad. As always, thanks for listening, and you take care.